I'm just going to pray for a moment before I start to speak. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that your spirit will be in my words now and in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that the, uh, the, the rather charming little film and the Bible passage complement each other well. Last Sunday, when Alison, uh, the other church warden as well as Jude, um, shared with us about the story of the Good Samaritan, she commented that it would be a bit like going back to Sunday school for some of us. Well, today is perhaps a bit more of the same as we explore another of Jesus' parables that's often shared with our children that we've just seen in the film and heard in our Bible reading from Matthew's Gospel, the parable of the wise and foolish builders. We're going to look at it a bit more closely, what Jesus says in it, and think about his words, um, perhaps especially in the context of Etty and Elsie's baptisms. The parable's context is the first thing we should notice about it. The context of any biblical passage is important, but in this case, um, perhaps uh, in part because the story is often told in a standalone way, in in that sort of um, Sunday school setting, um, I suggest it's perhaps especially important for us to understand what Jesus is saying through his illustration here. First of all, the whole of uh, Matthew chapter 7 is a series of contrasts and oppositions. It's about choices that each one of us may make throughout our lives and the consequences of taking one decision or another, behaving in one way or behaving in the opposite way, and of how making those decisions in our lives may play out in practice for us. The wise builder and the foolish builder need to be seen with reference to this series of contrasting images that Jesus uses to teach the crowd about what it means to live a godly life. And secondly, all of this chapter 7 of Matthew, along with the previous two chapters, form the great and hugely challenging teachings of Jesus known as the Sermon on the Mount, in which before the huge crowd of people who've followed uh, this amazing rabbi to listen to his teaching, Jesus sets out what it really looks like to follow him, what we're called to do as we seek to live out our lives as his disciples. Even if you're not a regular in church or familiar with the Bible or Jesus' teaching, you'll know without perhaps realising it some of the most challenging things Jesus says to his audience in this Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. So much of what Jesus says in this part of Matthew's Gospel has become a part of what in our day-to-day lives we recognise in people as signs of goodness or of holiness even. And the Sermon on the Mount ends with this morning's reading, the parable of the wise and foolish builders. 
The passage starts with the word, therefore. The Bible has artificial distinctions to help our understanding of it uh, that were uh, put into the original text many centuries after it was written. Um, verse numbers, chapter numbers, and the splitting of the text into subsections, some of which um, have subtitles put in them as well to help guide us as to what is being said. And this, therefore, at the start of verse 24, is a clear indication to us that we need to look back at what Jesus is saying to us in the preceding verses. And we see there that Jesus tells his listeners that on the face of it, there can be people who look like fully practicing Christians, who do many of the things that he himself commanded and encouraged his followers to do, but ultimately... Uh, when Christ comes again to reconcile creation to himself, um, they won't be acknowledged by Jesus as men and women whom he knows. Their salvation will be in jeopardy. So Jesus, through this use of therefore at the beginning of our gospel reading, is telling his listeners that the distinction between the wise and the foolish builders is the same one as the one in the previous verses, between those whom Jesus acknowledges and those he doesn't. And the difference is this. As it says in verse 21, it's between the person who does the will of his Father in heaven and the one who does not. On the one hand, we have the wise builder. He's like a man or woman who hears the message of Jesus about how to follow him who then puts Jesus' words into practice. It's as if he builds his house with the sound foundations not only of hearing Jesus, but putting what he has heard into practice in his life, building his house on the rock that represents uh, the solidity for life of the teachings of Jesus. And so although the elements do their worst, the house stands firm. Although life throws its worst at this wise Christian, they will stand firm since they have robust and resilient spiritual foundations. And on the other hand, we have the foolish builder. He's like a man or woman who hears the message of Jesus about how to follow him and who doesn't put that doesn't put uh, Jesus' words into practice, but rather chooses to ignore what he's heard. Jesus doesn't make any distinction between the outward appearance of the house that this man built and the one of the wise builder. If you think back to the film, the two um, little houses are identical on the face of it. It's not as if they look any different. But it's when the difficulties of life hit this person who for all their outward show of being a Christian hasn't really done the will of his heavenly father in their life. Nor really ever known Jesus in any sort of meaningful relationship. Then it's like the house that has its foundations on sand rather than rock. Without that solid base of living in closeness, not just to God's teaching, but also to his heart and the outworking of his purposes in the world, then that person is at the mercy of all the storms of life that the world will throw at them. The house will come crashing down. 
So I think that Jesus is giving us here both a warning and an encouragement. It's all too easy to fall into a pattern of doing good Christian stuff, if you like, going through the motions of being at church every Sunday, good as that is to do, outwardly declaiming our faith and our trust in God, loving others, even serving actively in a ministry. But really, the nature of our relationship with God is dry. We're distant from him. And in all honesty, when things become hard for us, it's not him we turn to to get us through, but reliance on ourselves, reliance on our own foundations, reliance on foundations of sand. This is Jesus' warning, and we see the consequences. But I believe we have an encouragement from Jesus here as well, and it's this. If and not when things in life have already got tough, because then it's generally too late. Um, uh, Sorry, if and not when things in life have already got tough, because then it's generally too late and the storms are already raging and the waters are already rising. But if we come before God in honesty and humility and acknowledge to him that throughout our life we keep on making a mess of things, and failing when we look at what he asks of us. And if we acknowledge that through the infinite grace he's extended to each one of us in the death and resurrection of Jesus, he's already done all that we need to be forgiven for the ways in which we mess up our lives. If we do this, and in so doing, come to the closeness of living relationship with Jesus, that shows itself in constantly surrendering our own will in order to do God's will, then Jesus' encouragement for us is that we're like the man who built his house on the rock. Our foundation is secure, and the winds and the waves can't shake us, no matter how fierce they become. This, I believe, is a wonderful message of hope for little Etty, unhappy as the poor lass is at the moment, and Elsie here this morning, as they're each starting their Christian journey today. They've already been given such a great start in life with all of you, a lovely, wonderful family, godparents, friends supporting them here this morning and over their first few months. And now they've been formally received into God's family, the church. And now they have the reassurance that as they grow in closeness to God and do his will in their lives, he will be there with them to keep them safe from the storms that, as for all of us, will buffet them periodically. Our prayer this morning for Etty and for Effie, as they have been baptised, excuse me, for Etty and for Elsie, excuse me, Etty and Elsie, uh, as they have been baptised into Christ's family, the church, has been that they will know Jesus as the Lord of their lives from this day forward, and that he will always be their solid foundation. My prayer for all of you, and equally for myself, is that each one of us, whether we'd already consider ourselves to be a follower of Jesus or not, 
will also have this same foundation in our lives. His living presence, his comfort, his peace, and his joy. And that in doing so, his will will be done in us. And we will all know what it is truly like to live in fullness of life for him. Even through the rains and the winds and the storms. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to come together in worship again now. Would Will and the band like to come up? And will you please...